Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Let's read. This is my Bible. It is God's word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you give them a roaring round of applause, David and Catherine? Well, good morning. Some of you may, may be aware, some others may not be, but Catherine and I are in the middle of a transition and we will be moving to northern New England, Maine in particular, over the next month, month and a half. In fact, next week will be her last week here and then the following weekend that I'll be driving along with her up to Maine and then I'm going to come back and put our house on the market. So what we want to cover this morning is a bit of our journey over the past 12 years since we've been here on this campus in Gastonia. It's really a journey that has been walking in the Holy Spirit. As we were reflecting on that this past week, we're thinking of it kind of like a a tapestry, a tapestry of people, a tapestry of our experiences, a tapestry that includes discoveries, all of which has been woven together by the Holy Spirit. So we want to share some of that here this morning, as well as some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. The first thing that was very abundantly clear in us coming to North Carolina 12 years ago is that God made it abundantly clear this is where we were supposed to be. That work, at least for me, was a catalyst to get that started. That I was working in a job that was working myself out of a job. I knew I was working on this project, and in five months, my job would be over. I was working to help take our whole department and turn it over to some other company to do all the work. And after that was done, my job would be over. So we had five months to figure out where we're going to go. In that, part of what we talked about as well, maybe we could go to North Carolina. That was something that over the years that I was interested in at some point, and there were a lot of technical jobs in my field. So it made a lot of sense. So we talked about that. We had a lot of time to do it. And one day, as I was walking out of work across the parking lot, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And it was just so abundantly obvious because it was a thought in my head. And it was so out of the blue, something that caught me completely by surprise. And the Holy Spirit said to me, if you're really serious about going to North Carolina, why don't you go down and check it out? I just stopped right there as I was walking across. I think, what did you just say? And over the next couple of days, we put it together. And in two weeks, I was on a plane, came down here, and God just put a whole lot of things in motion that I found a job, I got an apartment, and there were a number of things. I was connected into the church that was meeting on this campus all through divine connections that God brought together. It was truly amazing. It was so very, very clear that God had brought us here and he had orchestrated a whole lot of things. But in that, 
I want to share from Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, because it also shows that sometimes our life is not quite as simple and as easy as that. Sometimes it's hard. From Matthew chapter 7, verse 14, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. And he said, the, the gate is small, meaning that it's kind of like the, the uh, if you look at the, the bottom of South America, the, the Straits of Magellan, there's this pass. It goes winding through the bottom tip of South America, and on all sides, there's these giant rocks. And any ship that goes through there, they have to navigate and weave their way through. And that's what this passage is talking about, is that there are obstacles on all sides for the way that is narrow. It's also about pressure coming in from outside and pushing in and squeezing in. It's not an easy road following the Lord. For us coming down here, it was not always easy. There's been some hardships that we've endured and gone through, but we know clearly 100% that God brought us here for his purpose. But the point in that is that God calls us to take the harder road. And why would I want to start with that? That sounds like, well, that's kind of depressing, David. Is that really what we do want to do is encourage but it's a reality that the road that God brings us through, there's obstacles, there's pressures. However, on the other side of it all, there's tremendous blessing that God has for us and with us. So I'm going to let Catherine take it on next and the next stage of our journey. So Dave and I have made two significant moves in our life. We're about to make a third. But the first one was from Maine to New Hampshire and then from New Hampshire to North Carolina. And both times, I found myself thinking, Lord, what do you want us to do? Because I felt like I had such a clear vision, and yet when every time we moved, I thought, why are we starting over again? What's happening? What do you have for us? And what is it that you want us to do? I really had to dig in and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to give us guidance. And one of the things that when we were living in New Hampshire, we lived, I have to share this little story. We were living at the base of Mount Monadnock. Any of you who have been in New Hampshire, there's this one mountain that sticks up in the middle of nowhere. Mm -hmm. And we lived at the base of that mountain. But it was like a retreat. The, it was a three-season cabin, freezing in the wintertime, but it was such a time where we were set apart and could really focus on God and focus on the Lord. And one of the scriptures that came to life during that time for me was Isaiah 61. Can you put that one up for us? Where it says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, and the garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, 
and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. Living in New Hampshire was hard. It was a desolate place. And the Lord brought very clearly to my spirit when I read that is, that's what we're supposed to be doing here in Jaffrey, New Hampshire, rebuilding the walls, helping by bringing hope to people who are in sorrow, who live in that place of desolation. And then when we came here, I thought, but God, you had me doing that in New Hampshire. What about here? And the Holy Spirit spoke very clearly and said, it's not about location. It's about what I want to do in and through you. That the Lord still wants to use me today, and he wants to use each and every one of us to bring that hope to those who are out there in the world, lost and living in a deserted or desert place, desolation. That we were placed in in a season to be that light in the darkness. But it wasn't just that season in New Hampshire. It's wherever we are in life, through every journey. And it's where he leads us that we are to be that light in the darkness. And the big thing about that is that God desires us to live in a place of obedience in that. We easily could have come and said, all right, well, I guess that that was for then, but Lord, you know, I guess we'll just kind of hang out and just do nothing. But no, he wants us to be obedient to be the people. We are empowered by the Holy Spirit to be that light in the world. And we as committed followers of Jesus Christ need to hear the word and be obedient to the Lord, whether he calls us to a foreign land or to the neighbor across the street. We are to be hope for the nations. Our mission as the anointed ones, and this is for each and every one of us, is to bring restoration to a world that needs Jesus. We need to bring those experiences that we've had with God and share those with other people. We need to let them know that Jesus' love is confirmed as they come to know him. That through us, we can confirm that love in a very meaningful way that hope can be renewed as they make a commitment to Jesus. And that faith in their life will come alive. And isn't that what Lakeshore is all about? That God's love would be confirmed? It's confirmed as we reach the lost. That is hope, that hope would be renewed in each and every life. And that faith comes to life. That people can live the fullness of God and what he has to them. And then they in turn can hear the Lord and live in that obedience as well. As we've been here for 12 years, that throughout that period, God has expanded our awareness of what he's about in the world. And I just want to share just a few things, and most of which is outside of Lakeshore, because I want to give an opportunity to help to expand your perspective as well. One of those is just the fact that we came from a northern culture into a southern culture, and those two are really different from each other. And so we saw a different picture of God. In our workplaces, for both Catherine and I, we work with a lot of people from India. 
That was a very eye-opening experience as we worked with people from a very, very different culture, very different religious background, very different points of view. It's opened our eyes and expanded our awareness of what God is doing in the world and how he wants to reach globally. When I first came here, I took a, a course called Perspectives, Perspectives on the World Christian Movement. And it's a 15-week class, very long, it's very intense, but very eye-opening. And in that, the most, of the most important principle that I came away with is that what God is doing, it's his mission. It has been God's mission right from the very beginning in the book of Genesis all the way through to today. That we might have a mission, but really it rolls up to and is a part of a subset of what God is doing in the world. It's his mission to reach the world. It's not our mission. It's we're following along. We get to be a part of what God is doing. And it's really important to remember that this is God's mission and we just have a part in it. Through that perspectives class, I had an opportunity to meet other people. One who is a friend of ours who we continue to support. I'm going to call him Jim only at this point. He's in China in a place where it's restricted in many ways to be able to talk about Jesus. He's teaching in a university, finance, and people there want to learn about American culture. Well, in that, what does he teach about? He uses the parables of Jesus to talk about finance because the young people have grown up with an idea that everything financial is completely corrupt in China. And so he, in a university setting, is teaching the principles and the commands of Jesus to very large numbers of Chinese students. And then afterwards, he invites them, hey, if you want to talk more about this and learn more, and he's had many students come to him. They've had Bible studies. And then many of those students come to a relationship with Jesus. And I've had, and we've had that expanded perspective of what God is doing in the world because of our connections when we've come here. Another is a gentleman by the name of Ken Lotz. He lives on the other side of Charlotte. He has a ministry here in the greater Charlotte and even into Gastonia region, reaching to Muslims. I don't know how many of you realize that there's an Islamic center in Gastonia where those who are practicing Islam regularly meet. There's a couple of Islamic mosques in Charlotte. Ken took me to one of those a few years ago. It was a great experience to be able to see and experience what they do and how they do it. Everything was in Arabic. I had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> but it helped to open my eyes. He took me to the Jerusalem restaurant on the other side of Charlotte. It's an owned by a man from Syria who had to flee Syria because of persecution. Again, he helped to open up my understanding of what God is doing in the world, that God is bringing many of the nations, even to the Charlotte area, that are in close proximity for us to be able to reach so that we collectively can help work with God on his mission. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9. After these things, I looked, and behold, a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands. The nations, tribes, peoples, tongues. That's past tense as well as current tense. It's already happened. In the book of Acts, right from the very beginning, there were 15 different nations that were representative 
Many of them have already gone to be with the Lord. There's already nations and tribes and peoples and tongues who are before the throne. And God wants to reach out to all of those globally. And we get to be a part of that. Open your eyes to the big things that God is doing because he is doing amazing things all over the world. We might think, looking around America, wow, things are really, really dark. God is doing amazing things in many dark places all over the world. And even as we've had the opportunity to connect with people who are in many different countries, that each one of us can expect that the impact that we have is going to go further than you expect because God and the Holy Spirit moves throughout the world and through these connections that we have impacts globally. Yeah, and to tag on to that even further is in the past several months, we've had the opportunity to be part of the Lakeshore Leadership Community and attend a training that Pastor Gill had. One of the things that he said that really hit me and Dave as well was that the vision he has for Lakeshore is, and this is over 10 plus years ago that he had this vision, to be an oasis of healing. And what hit me about that was that it was the same vision that we had when we were living up north. And when we came here, it's so refreshing to know God is doing a big thing. It's his body. It's his movement across the mm-hmm. earth. When we were in Jaffrey, we were called a place of healing. We used a different word. We used a house of healing, which is the same as an oasis of healing. It's a place where people can come and receive the healing of the Lord. And we also use the term a place of refuge. Again, oasis is a place of refreshing. And it just struck me that we are one body, one body serving one God who's Lord over all. He is the head of the church. We are his people. The church is people. And Jesus has called us to be that one body. In 1 Corinthians 12, it says, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body. We truly are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, slave or free, all have been made to drink into one spirit. And then jumping down to verse 18, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. We are one body. And again, in Ephesians 4, we read that. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But to each one of us, grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. As one body, we do have a common purpose. And one of the missions that we believe here in Gastonia, that is to tangibly express God's love to everyone. Whether we're 5 or 25 or 105, we are all called to express God's love in a tangible way. We are the body of, the, of Christ. And guess what? Those churches in the area that preach Jesus are also the body of Christ. We have to see beyond the differences 
and understand that God has called us to minister to people who need to know the love of Jesus. He calls us in different geographies, but we remain rooted in the same Lord. Isn't that good news? You know, as I think about this as we transition, we're still one body. It doesn't matter. Yeah, we're not going to see each other daily, weekly, whatever, but we're still one body in Christ, and we're still serving him. We have to be planted, and we have to be rooted and grounded in Christ. And out of that, he will let us be those witnesses to the world. We need to fulfill the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. And we can do that as we surrender to him. And truly, in community, in the context of relationship, supporting one another, Pastor Robert said it this this morning, being rooted and grounded in love, together we can reach a lost and dying world. And that's what he's called us to do. About a year ago, we started participating in a a free training. It was all virtual, uh, particularly because of COVID, but also because of distance, that we were part of virtual small groups that was focusing on discipleship, and in particular, obedience-based discipleship. And I'm going to get to that in a moment. But again, with the, the kind of the big picture that we had several nations that were involved in these meetings together from Germany, Korea, South Asia, Kenya. There's probably a couple of other countries that I forget, but um, it was remarkable of different people from all over the world coming together to learn how do we more effectively be disciple makers and making disciples. There's a movement of disciple making that is exploding all over the world, and it's really, really simple. It's based on obedience, obedience to Jesus, not to people. Like, for instance, if somebody comes up with a rule, well, you got to wear this, and you can't wear that, you got to do this, and you can't do that, you can't chew gum, and you got... All of those are man-made stuff. But talking about what is it that Jesus commanded, he summed it all up, really, in three things. Love God, love others, even to the point of loving enemies, make disciples. Everything else really rolls up into that, and it's a summation of that. And so when we talk about obedience, it's to that, not to man-made rules and regulations. And as we went through it, what we learned is just the simplicity of trying to understand, discovering for ourselves, what, is the, what does the Bible say? What does Jesus say? Asking three simple questions. What is this passage? If we read something about what, what Jesus did, particularly in the Gospels to start with, what does it say about God? What does it say about people? What example is there for me to follow or command to obey? That's it. And then the following week with friendly accountability coming back and how'd you do with what the Holy Spirit revealed to you to do with that and continue to encourage one another. Even groups of people in places have had 100% non-believers following through that pattern and coming to Christ, which is completely amazing to me that the Holy Spirit is moving as they look at the Word of God together and take it seriously and say, how do we put this into practice? What do I do with this? How do I live it out in my life? And the Holy Spirit illuminates and says, here's how you can do that in your life today. Here's the person that this impacts that you need to do something about it. And so in 
looking at that, what is it that Jesus commanded? The Sermon on the Mount is a great place to start where Jesus expands on a number of those things. But at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then he goes on with the illustration of building the house on the rock versus sand. If you build the rock, build the house on the rock based on hearing his words and doing something about it, putting them into action, that's the obedience-based discipleship. And so that's the point, obedience to Jesus, obedience to the commands of Jesus, obedience to what he has called us to do, and then doing that and being in a group of relationships with other people to help encourage us in that. Not to say, hey, you didn't do this, but more of, hey, how'd you do with that? Yeah, I had a hard time with that too. How can we encourage one another to move forward? That I can pray for you, you can pray for me, I can encourage you this week in that, whatever that might be, rather than being rule keepers. Obedience to Jesus throughout everything. So as we are transitioning, one of the things that we've been really striving to do is focus on where we're going to rather than what we're going from. And a lot of people will focus more of their attention on, here's what I'm leaving, whether that be a job you don't like or a relationship you're trying to get away from or a church you don't disagree with, whatever it might be, that sometimes we tend to focus on, I gotta get, here's what I got to get away from. But... The Holy Spirit wants us to focus on where is he leading us to? And for us, there's some of the, the reasons for us going is, is for, the, for positive. For one family is that our three of our four children are already up north. That's where we came from. Our granddaughter is there. Many of our siblings, between the two of us, we've got 12 siblings, and many of them are up north. Uh, her parents are up there, and, and their health is failing. Our, our son had a stroke a couple of years ago, and our granddaughter came into the world, and it was a life-threatening situation. So there's a lot of things that just draw us back family-wise that we feel that we need to be there for, as well as the fact that grandparents have a great opportunity to be an influence to their children and their grandchildren, and we feel that we need to be a part of that. Another is the timing, that we actually felt released from the Lord about three years ago to, to move north, but then there were so many logistics that we just couldn't work out, then COVID hit, and that put the brakes on everything, and so there was a lot that just held us from doing it, as well as the fact that we started thinking, all right, if we're going to move, we got to get new jobs. How, that's, I mean, how do you find a new job 900 miles away? Well, why don't you come in for an interview tomorrow and just stop by? Uh, yeah, I don't think that's going to work. And so there was a lot of logistics that made it hard for us to be able to make that transition. But I wanted to share with you some prophetic confirmation through the Holy Spirit that helped, along with a lot of just regular day-to-day -day circumstances, that says, yeah, this is the right time. There was two in particular. One of them, it was from two years ago, so it was about, what, five or six months into into COVID. At that point, we just between the two of us had been thinking about we needed to move north at some time in the near future, but couldn't see how we were going to do it. And we we're trying to make it happen and bring all the circumstances together. It was July 
26, 2020, Yolanda had a word for us. And I don't know if you're going to even remember this, but I'll... <laughs> but it was a, a sense about a particular passage, and, it was, and she shared it with us. And I'm just going to read it a little bit from the notes that I took back then. It was from Numbers chapter 14 about the 10 spies and Caleb who were going into the promised land. And what she shared with us was, with a God-given destination in mind, we prioritize and sequence the steps needed to get there. That often leads to stress as we try to almost force our way into God's end goal. Yet he prioritizes and sequences things differently without the self-induced pressure we take on. He orders our steps for our good. And as we reflected on that afterwards, we felt like, all right, we've been trying so hard to get ourselves up north. We're putting so much stress and pressure on ourselves. We're beating ourselves up. It's making us sick. And so we stopped. We felt like, here was the Lord was saying, just put a pause on it. It's going to happen in my timing. Don't worry about it. A year later, a pastor, friend of ours, Pastor Tom Johnston, gave us a call. He said he had a strong and clear dream about us. And we had shared with him that, yes, yeah, someday we wanted to move back north. We had been in ministry together for a number of years, and he was instrumental in us being pastors. And he shared, the move will happen. And when it does, it'll be fast. Note that you'll be going to a dry land, and yet you'll be able to reach into the culture because it's also your culture. That was a year ago, and we've been waiting for the Lord to bring that about. And then two and a half, three months ago, there were a number of things that happened that just brought all the circumstances together. One of the bigger ones was that we were both able to take our jobs with us and continue to work. We didn't have to find new jobs. There were some other things within our family that the circumstances just aligned out right and perfect that all of a sudden, it was very, very fast that, wow, there's all the obstacles that were there before are all now gone. And so we're going to the two that God has been leading us back toward for quite some time. And we're connecting with a church community that we've been connected with over the past 25 years. Still part of Foursquare. We're still part of what is the, the and in fact, it only changed a year ago, that we're now part of one whole district. A year ago, we would have been in two different districts, and even getting together as a district, we would be separated. But now, the next district meeting for the Atlantic District, which goes from Maine to Florida, is meeting in Cornelius in the fall. I don't know if we're going to be able to be a part of that because it's so soon after moving, but we're part of this Foursquare family, and that's, we're connected together, which helps us to recognize, as Catherine had said before, that we're part of one body and we're still connected wherever that we are. And I'm going to wrap up my section by just saying, you know, we're going to continue an adventure with the Lord, just like each and every one of you are, <clears throat> I hope, because it has a commitment to involved to it, right? But when we do go, it's a dry region full of people who need the love of Jesus, and that's what we know we're going to. Culturally, we're going to be familiar with it. I have to tell you, when I moved here at first, we sat in the 
seats and listen to the messages. And there were times where I'd list, lean over and take, what did they say? What did they say? I felt like I couldn't understand Southern. I have <laughs> I, I, it was really bad in the beginning, but I have since, my ear has been attuned a little bit better, and now I can understand Southern much better. So congratulations, you've Southernized me. But as we go, it's going to be dry. But I have to share one quick story of an interpretive mime dance that I did with kids when I was directing children's ministry way back in the day for a kid's camp. It was about the sower and the seed. Simple story, right? Kids, you know the story. Sower and the seed. The sower goes out and plants seed. And the way that I saw it in my mind was the sower just throws the seed. Where the seed falls, it goes everywhere. But the one thing, when I was listening to the music, which was just an instrumental piece that I could very clearly see in my mind, is that the tree that grew and the fruit that was produced didn't just stay in that location. And the way I saw it was that as the tree grew and the fruit became evident, seeds were scattered even from that tree. Here's what I take away with that, is that the Lord has planted trees here, has planted fruit. You are fruit, and you are scattering seed. We are part of the seeds that you scatter So therefore, as we go to this dry land, we covet prayer. We'll pray for you, but you better be praying for us (laughs) because we are going to need it. It is a hard land. New England is not easy, but we know this is what God wants for now. And I say for now because I said, this is the last move we ever make, and Dave said, don't be so sure about that. (laughs) But one of the things that we've always valued in our life is that God has called us to love him, to love others, and to make disciples. And it is truly a generational thing. We started as family pastors. And in Acts 2, the scripture says, And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. Salvation is the gift of the Holy Spirit. Salvation, sorry, salvation and the gift of the Holy Spirit is for everyone. Nobody is excluded from that. As I said before, whether you're five, any five-year-olds in the house, Mm -hmm. any eight-year-olds in the house, any 10-year-olds in the house, Mm -hmm. whether you're five or 105, any 105-year-olds in the house yet? (laughs) No. God has empowered us to live a life for him. He's called us to believe in Jesus and to be filled with his Holy Spirit so that we can live victoriously. Does it mean we are never going to have temptation in our life? Ha, wish it were true. But every 5.6 seconds, I know I'm tempted with something, be it a thought or a word or an action. But the Holy Spirit gives me the power to live victoriously. And... When you said that this morning, I thought, wow, that's exactly what I had to say, too. Is It's so exciting to live in this time. But he's calling all generations, all people, his church, to lay hold of the gift of the Holy Spirit, to live that empowered life so that we can be seeds to others and that we can see all men come to know Jesus. 
In Ephesians 4, we read, And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of God. Some are called to be pastors, teachers, evangelists, prophets, to equip the saints, all saints. Mom and dad, you are to equip the saints. That's our job. We are generations, and as generations serving together, we can accomplish great things for the Lord. That's one of the missions of this church, and truly, we have seen it in our life together, and I know that God wants to do a great work with us connected with all generations, young and old. We learn from one another, right? I don't have to put a punctuation mark on my kids every time they say a prayer. Their prayer is as powerful. Matter of fact, when I used to have migraines when I was younger, I would tell my son, Matthew, put your hand right here and just ask Jesus to heal me. Simple prayer. Jesus, please heal mom. And guess what? Every time he prayed for me, my headache went away. And they were migraines. They were blinding migraines. God can use every generation to bring about his work and his purpose. I am so grateful for the tapestry of people, experiences, and discoveries that the Holy Spirit has woven through our time in North Carolina. I know that as we go, that the Lord will continue to weave great things into the fabric of our lives, and that the fabric that we have here is one that will continue to be strengthened. Our relationships will continue, and we will be together God's people bringing him glory. All right. Well, just to sum it all up, that some of the key points along our journey is that God calls us to a hard road, that there are obstacles, there are pressures, but there's so much wonderful things that God is doing in the world. That's his mission, and he's doing big things that we want to open our eyes to see that bigness rather than seeing the obstacles, rather than seeing the pressures but seeing all that God is doing in and through all of us that he wants us to focus on where he wants us to go to and who he wants to go with. And that, as Catherine said, it's, it's all the generations coming together. In, in every, phrase, or every phase of our journey, we've been trying to learn the lesson of just asking the Holy Spirit, what is it that we need to learn from this? What is it that you want us to do next? So let's stand and we'll pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that, that we've had the opportunity to be here in Gastonia for the past 12 years and that this, this campus and this congregation that we've been a part of the big things that you are doing in the world. And as we go forward, that I ask that you would be in each person, that we would regularly go back to you, Holy Spirit, and ask, what do we need to learn from this journey that we're on, that you've brought us on? What is it that we should be doing next? What is it that we collectively, what is it that we individually, what is it that we as a family? And that we would seek you in all of our ways. 
so that way we can be a part of the mission that you have here in Gastonia, here in the Carolinas, and to the ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.